Welcome back, everybody, to In The Loop. What is up, everybody? My name is Michael Burpo. Thanks again for listening to In The Loop. This week, I am so friggin' excited for this episode. I got a chance to speak with Sarah Schoenlink, who is a jewelry designer at Tiffany & Co. I hope I don't need to describe who Tiffany & Co is, but they are one of the leaders in jewelry design, but also in high jewelry, which is what Sarah specifically works for. And we talk all about some of the projects that she's been a part of, how she got her start in jewelry design, some of the things that she looks at to stay inspired, but not derivative. And it's just a really cool talk. Before we jumped on the mic, Sarah had mentioned that she couldn't go too deep into a lot of the topics because some of them were either covered by NDA or they were in progress. So we don't dive into specifics that often, but we do get a ton of cool information about what the day-to-day of a Tiffany & Co designer is like. This is one of my favorite interviews I've gotten a chance to do, and I hope you check out Sarah on Instagram or on her website if you want to follow along for what she's been designing. And if you're new here, if this is your first In The Loop episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a review. It's the best way to help us grow. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Punchmark, the jewelry industry's favorite website platform and digital growth agency. Our mission reaches way beyond technology. With decades of experience and long-lasting industry relationships, Punchmark enables jewelry businesses to flourish in any marketplace. We consider our clients our friends, as many of them have been friends way before becoming clients. Punchmark's own success comes from the fact that we have a much deeper need and obligation to help our friends succeed. Whether you're looking for better e-commerce performance, business growth, or campaigns that drive traffic and sales, Punchmark's website and marketing services were made just for you. It's never too late to transform your business and stitch together your digital and physical worlds in a way that achieves tremendous growth and results. Schedule a guided demo today at punchmark.com go. And now, back to the show. What is up, everybody? I'm joined by Sarah Schoenlink, a jewelry designer for Tiffany & Co. How are you doing today, Sarah? Hi, I'm great. How are you, Mike? I'm doing very well. I'm so excited to get a chance to speak with you. Um, A lot of people who have listened to the show for a long time will know that I'm a big fan of Tiffany & Co. I've talked about your guys' work um, pretty often. It's kind of like my... Uh, one of like the pinnacles, I think, of what jewelry design is right now. Can you kind of describe what it is that you do for them and how you ended up in that position? Yeah, so I am a designer on the high jewelry team at Tiffany & Co. So I design high jewelry. And uh, the average person that I come across has never heard of this before, uh, unless you're in the industry or really interested in luxury fashion. Um, But I will say it's likely you have seen high jewelry before on the red carpet worn by celebrities at like the Oscars, the Emmys. So I would describe it as the creme de la creme of jewelry. And Mm. so I design these pieces that are one of a kind and incredibly unique and innovative using the highest quality materials available. So for Tiffany's annual high jewelry collection, it's called Blue Book. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
And when you are designing these kind of pieces, um, I know this is probably getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Do you know who's going to wear this piece typically ahead of time? Or is it like uh, just design the most beautiful thing and they'll find someone to wear it? Yeah, I have no idea who they're going to. Wow, crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It is crazy. So what led to you being in this position? I'm assuming you went to school for uh, jewelry design of some sort, or uh, how did you end up in that position? Yeah, so I did take the art school route. I majored in MJCC, which is metals, jewelry, and CAD CAM, Temple University Tyler School of Art. (laughs) And um, my senior year, Tiffany was offering a design internship through my program, which is how they find their design interns, just through our schools globally. And I got it. So I started and I was put on the custom design team and the high jewelry design team. And I had a little sprinkle everywhere uh, in the design department. And gradually I was pulled away from custom design and everything else and pulled towards high jewelry. So around after six months of being an intern, I was offered a full-time position as an associate um, designer on high jewelry. And then COVID happened. (laughs) And yeah. So a few years later, I was then promoted to designer. And here we are. Man, that's so exciting. Um, I mean, just high jewelry in general. It's definitely one of those fields that I feel like is, uh, it's almost so different than what we're dealing with with a lot of the people I'm speaking to um, in the loop is, uh, you know, retailers and they're selling what we would, might call either fashion jewelry or luxury jewelry or things like that. But high jewelry in particular, I'm assuming because of the fact that there is this uh, really boutique and like, you know, customized process, the process behind the actual design probably is a little bit more all encompassing. Uh, do you start you know, I guess with concept images or what kind of, how do you begin with the design of your jewelry? Is it, I guess, sketching? Is it, do you jump right into, into CAD or how does that kind of begin? Yeah. So, well, firstly, I do start with a lot of research and I research for inspiration. I'll make a vision board and a mood board and just to kind of conceptualize and visualize my ideas. Um, And then I go on to sketching and I will sketch figurative drawings, very rough um, to try to explore a concept. And I'll typically start with the necklace uh, because everything for me derives from the necklace. Oh, cool. I never knew that. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, that's that's how I personally like to go about it. Um, The necklace is the showstopper. So you want to put the most work and attention to detail into the necklace and get that perfect so that you can then delineate from there to the rest of the pieces. Yeah. So there is a lot of sketching and there's a lot of refining. And then you scan these pieces into the computer and you're on Photoshop, uh, rendering and drawing on there. And then, you know, it's just more revisions, more revisions. And if needed, we will um, take it into CAD and design it three-dimensionally, print it to understand how it's working in the round. Uh, Yeah, that's... Man, that's so, so exciting. I love uh, hearing kind of like the process behind the things that... 
uh, you know, are, are items that I might be looking up to or hearing about the design process for companies that I admire. It's so fascinating to hear that they are actually relatively close to the process that a lot of uh, people are undergoing. It's not like you guys are doing some like super fancy ritual that somehow pops out these beautiful pieces of jewelry. It's more like, you know, just reiterations and reimagining and pushing what is possible and kind of, yeah, just making sure that you never accept things just because that's the first way you did it. It's always having different options as well. Yeah, I, I feel like it's considered a classic design process, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not the same as art school for not being yelled at <laughs> or, um, you know, yeah. being spoken too harshly. But um, yeah, it's 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 very helpful and constructive. Uh, you learn a lot. It's great, right? I, I enjoy that part of the process. That's what I look forward to, honestly. Yeah, I uh, I also wonder how long is like a timeline for you? Because you do hear a lot of the times with a lot of these, you know, either more luxury goods or just like bigger brands. A lot of the times, for example, I know that Nike is designing, uh, they're designing, I believe, five seasons out. So that's a year and a quarter away from where we currently are. And that's when they start actually, you know, projecting what is going to be, uh, going to be the next season. Um, how long is like a typical, you know, project, process for you? Is that like, you know, six months, a year? How how long does that typically take? It takes longer than a year. So wow. to see a design from start to finish in terms of completion and having the tangible design in front of you, it's a long time. Will you ever get to see the the finished product? Do you, do you ever get to actually see something that you got a chance to work on and they like bring it in? Yeah, of course. It's so much fun wow. when you are told, oh, the pieces you worked on are here. And wow, that's going to be so them cool. On and, uh -huh. Yeah, it's so much fun. <laughs> so I guess maybe just to go back to kind of your your starting point, um, I was looking on your portfolio website and um, kind of just peeking through kind of your earlier work. And I saw that you had interned in, in Rome as well. And of course, Rome is... Uh, very well known for their their gold, their gold jewelry. I think that they're considered like the center for gold and leather in the world. Um, can you share a little bit about your experience interning in Italy? Yeah, um, I studied abroad for a summer uh, in between my junior and senior year. And nice. I wanted to take a class that would benefit my program, but they didn't offer anything in design or jewelry, of course. So I went the internship route and found someone offering an internship through my program's connections. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. It was really interesting to be working with Italians who spoke little to no English, but you know, we're sitting there designing and, and working together and you can understand them. You can understand each other because mm. you know, what we're doing is the same, you know, even though you can't speak the same language. So I still learned so much just by observing. Um, and he, Paolo was a master goldsmith who knew so many techniques and little details and textures that he would add to these pieces. It was just so meticulous and unique. It was wonderful to watch. And then, um, I would say, even though it's not jewelry related, I really enjoyed the environment of mm. that studio because Definitely. it was it was just it was lovely honestly it was so refreshing to 
experience in a professional setting where people encourage you to take a walk when you're frustrated. And if you're frustrated with a soldering job, just go take a walk. And if you're lacking design inspiration, go take a walk and get a gelato. And that's just, it's so refreshing to see that and hear that and, and be encouraged to do that because growing up in America, you have this idea of corporate life and structure. And it was nice to experience that and be able to take that home with me. For sure. And, you know, it's so good. That's part of, I think that's 95% of what I took back. Um, I also studied abroad. I studied abroad in Barcelona and the, you know, what did I study there? I don't remember. But what I do remember is, yeah, like the the pieces of culture that I took back, you know, mm-hmm. like, hey, it's okay. Like, it's not wasted time to uh, spend an entire afternoon at a cafe drinking coffee and whatever, sketching or drinking wine and, mm-hmm. and talking with mm-hmm. your friends. It's not wasted time. It's actually, you know, doing something for you. And I think that that's kind of like one of those things sometimes I feel like we overlook in, yeah, like at least in major cities. I mean, Tiffany & Co. is uh, based out of New York City, so I can only imagine it's probably quite different than the environment that you're living in in, uh, in Italy as well. It is different, but it also has its perks at the same time. You know, Absolutely. you're surrounded by these creative, bubbly, sparkly people who are mm. brilliant and so gifted and talented. So it's it's just such a joy to be in this environment too. I will say they are very different, <laughs> of course, but, but they're but special in their own ways, yeah. Got the best bagels in the world there though. So you guys very, got something, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, everybody, we're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. Yeehaw! Just kidding, that's so silly. Punch Mark is going to be at the IGO Dallas Conference from March 10th until March 12th. And if you haven't yet already, make sure you make an appointment and stop by and hear the latest and greatest about the Punch Mark platform. We've also got new digital marketing options for stores of any size. And we're really excited to show them to you. Make sure you stop by and also mention that you love In The Loop. It really makes me look good. And you can do that. Just go to punchmark.com appointments or punchmark.com. And in the top right, book my appointment. You'll see it very easy. Hopefully see you guys out there and back to the show. And we're back. So I'm a, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Tiffany and Co. Um, I follow your guys' releases quite a bit. I'm also, uh, I had mentioned this before when we had first met, uh, that I am a huge fan of esports. And uh, Tiffany and Co. is actually rather, I guess, integrated into that right now. Um, recently, they redesigned what's called uh, the Summoner's Cup. It's kind of like the the big trophy. It's sort of like the Stanley Cup for NHL, but it's the the major trophy for the number one esport right now, which is League of Legends. And it's, a, I guess, an eternity trophy. So they engrave the names of each winner each year, and they kind of add on to it every single time. And uh, that was created by your guys' group as well. They also did something for my favorite team, 100 Thieves. They made these rings. I guess I was wondering... Uh, I know what it's kind of like in working for a, a super big company and, you know, there might be things that you never were involved in, but do you follow projects that are released by, by Tiffany that you weren't involved in, or is it kind of like heads down, hard at work, just focus on your own projects as well? 
Yeah, no, I, I do know what you're speaking of. I have seen that trophy. I didn't maybe fully realize what it was, but yeah. I have seen it now that you describe it. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, but we do get, of course, updates about Tiffany, like what's happening, the newest mm. release and a special project we've been working on with whoever. Um, so we do stay in the know, typically, but I, it's not like I'm going out to search what is happening at Tiffany necessarily. Yeah. And I guess related, yeah. it's one of those things, uh, what you're doing is just so innovative and it's almost like it's coming from something larger than jewelry design. It's more of like, and uh, it, it's almost like experiential design. It seems like with what you're making, I guess with that, it sometimes can be difficult to keep yourself uh, you know, inspired, but also not inspired by anything else you've seen. So how do you balance, for example, staying abreast of the latest in, you know, high jewelry design, but also making it so that your work isn't, you know, derivative or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Well, it is definitely helpful working with the people I work with because they are also doing the same thing and staying abreast of mm -hmm. trends and they have experience working at these other high jewelry companies. So I, we will talk about what's happening and yeah. to be aware of what is being done, what isn't being done. And so we can be aware in that sense, but I don't outwardly look at other high jewelry that's being done uh, for inspiration, for direct inspiration for my pieces, for sure. I like to look at pieces of course um mm -hmm. they're beautiful impressive i want to see what boucheron and cartier are up to <laughs> yeah. um but i don't try to do that too often yeah i guess it's kind of one of those things you we do website design and a lot of the times we are always looking but it's also sometimes if you look too much it's kind of like it jumps off the screen and into your pocket and i feel like it makes it almost too that becomes your reference source instead of like the other material that you've been looking at. So I definitely can kind of sympathize with that. It's it's tough because at the same time, I do want to, I am a fan first of, you know, website design, the UX, and I do want to stay abreast of things, but at the same time, I don't want it, my, my designs to look exactly like something that already exists. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, if you see something too much, your brain just keeps going back to that design or motif or silhouette. And so I try to break free of that and look at, you know, sculptural art is a great one. And mm. nature, of course, I always go back to nature. Of course, both of those things are very broad, but <laughs> you find specific areas within those to really gain a lot of inspiration. Yeah, I guess that ties into the next topic I was hoping to speak with you about. So before we had jumped on, I was really interested in hearing about like any of the projects that you had been perhaps uh, involved with. You had mentioned that you couldn't get too deep into a lot of your, uh, you know, what you had been working on. But is it possible that you could kind of give us a kind of like a an overview on any of the projects that you've been a part of at, at Tiffany? Yeah, sure. So the most recent collection that I worked on uh, was released in 2023, the 2023 Blue Book called Aquarium. So I worked under the direction of my chief artistic officer, Natalie Verday, and the collection I worked on was called Sea Anemone. So I had so much fun with this because 
I specialize in making things as complicated as possible, naturally. Of course, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And um, all of the spikes on these pieces undulate and move. They're all kinetic. So as you move, the piece moves. And I had so much fun designing the layers and layers of details behind this piece with, of course, my team. Um, And then to see it come to life and be on the red carpet and stuff. It it was just so thrilling. Wow. That's so cool. So full disclosure to break the fourth wall, I'm looking at it right now. I just pulled it up and these are exactly what you just described. Extremely complicated and very beautiful though. Man, this is, uh, it's incredible though. I can definitely see what you mean though about taking inspiration from uh, from nature. And I feel like nature's always changing and there's always more to see. So I guess that maybe is the the best place to pull inspiration from. It's These are absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend anybody go and check out the uh, Tiffany & Co. Blue Book 2023. It's definitely worth your time. It is. There are some amazing pieces in there. And any of the rest of the blue books in the past, also highly recommend. <laughs> So I'm just looking at it. There appears to be, man, probably 15 different different pieces, at least the ones that I'm looking at right now. Uh, is this one of those kind of situations where you might uh, start out by, you know, designing 50 pieces and then you cut it all the way down to 20 and then only 15 make the final cut? Or are you starting with a core of five, developing it all the way and then kind of iterating on top of that? Uh of course, pieces can always get cut, but I, you know, it, it's part of the design process to try different directions and different aesthetics, different silhouettes. So we will try everything we can and go from there. But we don't necessarily design all of these pieces and then wait for them to get cut because that would be a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. This uh, Pisces brooch is just insane. So sick. For it's the people really listening, beautiful. this is like a, uh, it's, it's like a full on fish. It's so amazing. It looks like it's like a real fish made out of, out of gems and metal. Oh, it's so incredible. It's so much fun. So when I was speaking with you, when I was hoping to get a chance to sit down with you, uh, one of the people I had in mind were this group of jewelers that are on uh, one of the Facebook groups I'm a part of, these young jewelers helping young jewelers. And a lot of the people that are on there are these uh, jewelry designers or just designers in general that are just starting out. And they're always asking like, oh, should I be uh, practicing this you know, this technique or this type of software to get better at design. And I guess, do you have any advice for young jewelry designers just starting out? Is there a um, kind of a practice that is the best way to kind of push yourself ahead? Or what advice would you give to those people that are listening? Yeah, I would say for sure, practice your drawing. Practice Hmm. technical drawings, practice drawing one-to-one scale, and from multiple views, if it's a ring or so. Uh, I think that that's one area that I specifically lacked in when I started my job. And it can take you so much further if you know how to draw and put your ideas on paper. And if you can also have the opportunity somehow to learn Rhino, the 3D design software, that is Mm. So incredibly helpful. I know there are other 3D design softwares out there for jewelry, but Rhino, I know, is a lot more, it has a lot more freedom in it. 
in terms of being organic and not, you know, specifically ring based or, you know, it doesn't have set prongs or anything. It's just what you make of it. So if you have the opportunity to practice rhino, learn that, that's, that's amazing. So you mentioned, you know, practice drawing, if you don't mind me pushing just a little bit more, are you, when you're actually designing for production, for example, are you uh, adding additional details using, for example, watercolor or gouache or, um, you know, Copic markers or anything like that? Or is it, do you really just kind of work with either, you know, pencil and paper? Like what, what main materials are you working in? So everyone has a different design process, honestly, oh, when it really? comes to this point. Yeah. Um, so it's really up to the designer and what you're most comfortable with and how you can get it across your idea across efficiently. So I personally will start by sketching and refine those lines, refine the sketch. I will scan it into Photoshop and refine it even more in Photoshop. And then I will paint and I will paint it, hand paint in Photoshop. Uh, the shiny metal, the prongs, the stones, everything. Wow. And that's, that's so that's cool. How I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting though, that everybody has their own medium that they prefer. I didn't realize that they would keep that open. Sometimes I feel like people with at Punchmark, for example, when I got hired, I was hired at the same time as our art director, uh, Sarah, and I preferred to design in Illustrator and she preferred Photoshop and we compromised and we designed in Photoshop. So uh, that was kind of, you know, it's, it's tough. You learn it, but then after you learn it, you know, eventually you get better. But it's so, uh, I don't know, kind of modern and inspiring that they allow you to kind of explore in different materials as well. Yeah, I mean, everybody has a different background and you have your strengths and what you're comfortable with. So instead of trying to push someone to learn something that's completely new, uh, yeah. you tend to just grow in what you know and learn the other things on the side. Very cool. Sarah, maybe as we're wrapping this up, um, I'm curious, what are you most inspired by right now uh, in, in lieu of that? Um, is there anything that's keeping you kind of, um, you know, looking forward and working every day towards something? Uh, are you inspired by anything right now? Spring. <laughs> spring? All right. <laughs> I'm very excited for the springtime. I love, I love nature, as I've said, and growth and, you know, flowers budding and color green. I just find a lot of inspiration in the changing of seasons as well. So yeah, that's just, that has me hoping for another day, you know? <laughs> oh, that's great. And Sarah, as we wrap this up, if people want to go to see more of your uh, designs or take inspiration from you, um, where can people go to, to learn more and follow up with you? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sarah show and link jewelry. And I also have a website, uh, Sarah show and Awesome. And I'll try to link those in the show notes below, but Sarah, I can't thank you enough. This is so cool getting a chance to speak with you. Like I said, I'm definitely a big fan. One day, uh, I've, I've mentioned this before, but uh, one day I'd love to buy my mom a, uh, a Tiffany tea um, bracelet. It'll definitely be a, a cool one one day, a, a cough. But it's so cool getting a chance to speak with someone who um, is behind some of these designs and, you know, it'll give me even more of a reason to, to follow along now. That'll be great. Yeah. Thanks so much. I hope you get that bracelet one day. <laughs> one day, one day. It'll happen one day. Okay. Thank you everybody. We'll be back next week, Tuesday with another episode. Cheers. Bye. 
right, everybody. That's the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. This episode was brought to you by Punchmark and produced and hosted by me, Michael Burpo. My guest this week was Sarah Schoenlink, who is a jewelry designer for Tiffany & Co. Definitely give her a follow on all of her social medias. We'll put it in the show notes below. This episode was edited by Paul Suarez with music by Ross Cockrum. Don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us feedback on punchmark.com loop and you can learn more about the podcast there. Thanks everybody and we'll be back next week, Tuesday with another episode. Cheers, bye.